Welcome to the TEDx Santa Barbara podcast, a behind the scenes view of our upcoming TEDx. We talk to team leaders, designers, and past speakers to give you insight into the inner workings of the show. Each conversation will offer you an interesting dimension of TEDx to help you better appreciate this amazing all-volunteer effort. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host and producer of TEDx Santa Barbara. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. I am so excited. Mark Sylvester here, the executive producer of TEDx Santa Barbara, and this is our first show for 2020. We are doing so much this year. Uh, specifically, one of the things we're focusing on, because it is the 50th anniversary of the Community Environmental Council, it's the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, it's the 50th anniversary of, you could think about it, the environmental activist movement, and all of those things. And the other thing that is new is we have a uh, partnership with the Bren School out at UCSB and the Marine Science Institute and those organizations to help bring us interesting content and speakers uh, throughout the year, uh, specifically around our salons and adventures. Today, I wanna introduce you to Dr. Andy Brooks. And Andy and I have been talking about what, what could we do that would be really interesting for you. So that's what we're gonna have our conversation on. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark, really nice to be here. So why don't you tell us, you, you've got a really long actual title. Why don't you tell us what your title is? Yeah, it's a mouthful. I'm the director of the University of California Natural Reserve Systems Carpinteria Salt Marsh Reserve. So the, our listener probably doesn't know, but about 10 years ago, I lived right on the edge. So I think it would have been the northern edge where the railroad is, uh, right there at the crossing of the um, the preserve. And it was absolutely amazing looking out the windows. We actually took and broke out uh, the wall to put in a larger window to be able to watch the wildlife and just nature. And so I've always had an affinity for that. So when I learned you were the director and all of the other things that are going on, it seemed like a natural fit for TEDx. And so why don't we start, we're gonna have a, so this is around a pairing. We've not done this before where we have a salon and then followed by an adventure. So in March on the 18th, we're going to do a salon out at the Coal Oil Point Nature Center. And you've helped arrange all of that. Why don't you tell our listener, first off, what's the Coal Oil Point Nature Center and, and why there? Why do we have this conversation there? Well, the Coal Oil Point Nature Center is a relatively new building that's been built on the UC Natural Reserves Coal Oil Point Reserve, which is just to the north and the west of the UCSB campus. And this was a, a building that was taken over um, from a school that was there previously and has now been converted into a community nature center. So it's sort of a very scaled down version of the Museum in Natural History, but it really focuses on all of the flora and fauna that can be seen at the Coal Oil Point Reserve. Uh, the reason why we're having the salon there is because we want to focus on aspects of sea level rise and other things that are related to global climate change. And I think it really helps people sort of get into the right frame of mind when we're talking about things that are largely going to be impacting the natural world as well as the human world if they place themselves 
in the environment that's actually going to be the most altered by both sea level rise and other things associated with climate change. Now, for the salon, and for those of you who are listening who haven't been to a salon, what we do is we bring in a subject matter expert. There'll be about 40 of us there for a community conversation. And you have um, gotten Dr. Charles Lester to lead that conversation. Tell us about Dr. Lester. Yeah, we're very fortunate to have Dr. Lester be the, uh, the moderator for the salon. He is a past California Coastal Commission commissioner. Um, he is very familiar with issues involving social justice. He started off as an attorney uh, and has been very active in, in a variety of environmental causes. Uh, largely based around open access to California's coasts and protecting California's coasts for the for the general public of California. And he really has a unique viewpoint on um, everything that we think is going to impact the California coastline from sea level rise. And so that is inundations of key infrastructure. Um, it may result in people having to abandon some areas of, uh, of the coast, specifically very low-lying areas of the coastline. Uh, and it, one of the things we'll talk about during this line is it will also have uh, a variety of effects on people's uh, economic existence and their socioeconomic sort of lifestyle and it will it will obviously the impacts will differ depending on where people find themselves sort of on the socioeconomic scale so yeah that was what we named it sea level rise and, and should i say rise or rise is it sea level rise or sea level rising well it, it sort of a tomato tomato um we talk about sea level rise as the phenomena and we talk about sea level rising as the process. Ah. And so it's just a different, different way to frame it. Okay. And so we, we named this salon, the socio, the local socioeconomic impact and give, give us an example of what we might hear that night. Well, for instance, I think one of the things that we'll probably discuss is access to coastal resources by people from different uh, economic sort of strata within the city of Santa Barbara. And as you know, Goleta Beach is used as a major recreation area by a lot of people that live in the Goleta area. Uh, it's not used so much by people maybe that live in the Montecito area. And as sea level begins to rise and Goleta Beach begins to disappear, um, it, it will differentially impact people in our communities based on how often they actually use Goleta Beach as an area to recreate. Got it. And what's interesting about the salon concept, um, for those not familiar with it, is that we actually can take a deeper look into one topic. And, and in addition to sea level rise, we're going to stretch out and look at some other kinds of climate impacts that are What's great about this is uh, I love the salon concept because we can be uh, micro focused on our area. We're not worried about doing a global TED talk here. This is like, okay, for those in the community who are really interested in paying attention to this. And I think we're probably one of the world centers for this type of activity and research. What, what other areas do you think will maybe that are uh, adjacent to this would we be discussing? Well, I think, Another area that we'll discuss is 
impacts to people's sort of daily way of life that they may not be thinking about currently. And so people may think, well, I live quite a distance from the coast. I'm not going to be impacted by rising sea level at all. But perhaps they haven't thought about the fact that the Union Pacific Railroad tracks are only a few feet above current sea level. The fact that our airport is in the middle of Goleta Slough, which again is only a few feet above sea level. There are areas of Highway 101 that are only a few feet above sea level. And these are our major transportation corridors uh, to Los Angeles and to the north. And these are also the major corridors where we bring goods into Santa Barbara from other places. And so while they may not be directly impacted by by the water, they are going to be impacted by some of the changes that it brings about in transportation of goods and services and people. One of the things I heard, um, there was a, a TED event. They have a new thing called Currently by TED. And so they look at a current event and bring the TED World Theater to bear on that. Mm -hmm. And when they were describing it, because the first one was just yesterday, actually, it's they said, we're going to look at this topic through a lens of optimism and help me, doctor, be, yeah. be optimistic or where do I find the optimism here? Because I think as soon as we start talking about the ramifications, I get I get a little I lose hope. Sure. And this is something that that scientists actually discuss quite a bit amongst themselves. We don't want to put out this message of it's all gloom and doom and there's absolutely nothing that we can do. Um, when you give people that message, then there's a tendency for them to just say, well, then let's just let everything go to hell in a handcart. Um, we think that some of the work that's being done at UCSB by faculty and researchers, not only at the Bren School, but also with the Marine Science Institute and some of the other departments on campus, as well as quite um, a large number of people at other universities up and down the West Coast and the Gulf Coast and the East Coast of the United States. Um, they're coming up with some fairly creative solutions. Some of these are engineering solutions that will allow us to better adapt our infrastructure to changes that we predict are coming. Um, some of them are economic um, innovations that will allow our economies to sort of weather the, the storm, as it were, when some of these changes start to manifest themselves. And quite a few of them are, are ecological innovations that will allow us to, to uh, predict what we think might happen with the flora and fauna of California as the climate slowly begins to change. So the, the idea of this salon then is to start this conversation yes. and educate ourselves. That's one of the things that I, th I feel like we, we all need to be more educated about this, of what the actual facts are, so that we're not going on hyperbole, but we're, you know, let's get some facts. Now, th so that, that salon is at the Coal Oil Point Nature Center March 18th from 7 to 9, so it'll be two hours, so people want to get there at 6.30, register, we'll have some snacks and stuff, and then there'll be a, a lot of colleagues there of yours, so there's going to be yes. a lot of smart people in the room to be able to answer the questions. Then, in April, on April 29th, at 4 in the afternoon, we're going to go actually go out into the field and have a TEDx adventure, so we're going to have a field trip, and we're going to go to where you spend the majority of your time, which is at the Carpentry Salt Marsh. There's That's a right. longer We're, name for it, but I just call it the Salt Marsh. 
That's right. We're going to visit your old backyard. I love it. And now, now, so people who sign up for that, they'll get the exact instructions on where to go. But, but tell us how this pairing works. Why is going to the salt marsh going to help bring those lessons to life? Well, the salon is intended, I think, to be more of an academic exercise. And, and when I say academic, I don't mean sort of lofty ivory tower discussion using arcane terminology. Um, but I mean, it's, it's a discussion amongst community members about um, what we think might happen, what steps can be taken, what steps are being taken. The visit to the Carpinteria Salt Marsh is really to get an understanding of the types of environments and ecosystems that are going to be dramatically affected by, in this case, sea level rise. And it's one thing to tell someone, well, this is a really important stop on the Pacific Flyway for a lot of migratory birds. And if these salt marshes begin to uh, sort of disappear along our coastlines as the sea levels rise, that's going to make it harder for these birds to move up and down the west coast of the United States. So we can, we can tell someone that and we can talk about what that might mean and how important that might be. It's an entirely different thing to actually sit there and watch these birds fly around, watch them feed in the channels. You, you really gain a, a much deeper understanding of, of the wildness of the place. And we're talking about something that's embedded within the city of Carpinteria. Um, it is no, I mean, we, it doesn't take a plane and two trains and a, and a camel caravan to get here, right? You can simply hop in your car and be there in 15 or 20 minutes. But about 15 minutes after you enter the front gate and begin to walk sort of down the reserve road, all the noise and everything else sort of starts to fall away. You start hearing the birds chirping. You start hearing the water running through the channels. And at least for me anyway, you you immediately just sort of your whole body starts to relax. There's something about being out in nature that has a value all of its own. Um, and we want people to experience that. When did you fall in love with nature? Oh, probably as a kid. Uh, I actually grew up in, in Ohio and Michigan, not on the ocean at all. And so most of my early days were spent running around in the woods, sailing on lakes, uh, canoeing down rivers, but it was always something to do with, with being outside. Um, and for me, it's always been a very sensory sort of experience, my interaction with nature. And, and a lot of it is sound. Um, just listening to sounds that trees make, sounds that water makes. Um, it, it really does. It, it just completely relaxes me. It's, it's, it's sort of what I, what I do when I'm wound a little too tight. I just try to get away and, and listen to the ocean. I, I love that because that the first thing you said was as we walk down the reserve road, the, the auditory experience changes. Now, just recently, you were at a Museum of Natural History uh, event where we were talking about the, the topic was now two years since the Thomas fire and the debris flow and the impacts. And you specifically did an amazing talk about the impact of the debris flow on the salt marsh. What can the our visitor who's going to come join us, what can they expect to see and, and how that impacted the salt marsh? 
Yeah. So the other thing I think that people will be able to take away though is the pretty incredible amount of recovery that's taken place in the marsh over the past two years. And, and some of this was helped along a little bit by, by us, uh, largely through the actions of the Santa Barbara County Flood Control District, who removed a lot of, of accumulated sediment and large trees from the main channels within the marsh. And, and they did that to ensure that the marsh uh, still functioned as it should in providing flood protection to a lot of the residents of the city of Carpinteria. And in fact, that's one of the major functions that coastal salt marshes um, provide is this flood protection, coastal flood protection. Uh, but in the smaller channels that were not dredged by the flood control district, uh, nature sort of took care of itself. And a lot of those channels have recovered as well, largely just through the actions of, of the tide coming in and out. Now we're gonna also, you're gonna bring some um, some PhD students that are studying the marsh, is that right? That's right. Uh, we'll have Aaron Winslow, who's a PhD student here with the Bren School of Environmental Science and Management. And then we'll also have a UCSD undergrad, uh, Brandon um, Quintana. And Brandon is currently doing a project looking at the impacts of the debris flow on mussels and the uh, Pacific oyster. I love the photo that you sent me that people will recognize with you. I think you have, you're holding a little clam in your hand. Is that yes. what it is? Yes. I didn't even know there were clams there. Oh, there are so many clams and, and a lot of different kinds. Yeah. Yeah. How fascinating. Well, I don't want to spill all the beans right now in this talk, but Andy, I'm so thrilled that you've helped us curate uh, what proves is going to prove to be really interesting for people. Again, the adventure is uh, April 29th out at the Carpinteria Salt Marsh. It's going to start at four in the afternoon, so we'll be able to catch a nice sunset. And I know you you were paying attention to the tide and, and all of that, so we picked that day very, very specifically. We're only limited to 40 people, so we'll probably break up into two different groups, and we'll have some, some wine and cheese and some snacks for folks. Uh, I think they're going to be absolutely thrilled. And then the salon sea level rise, the social, the local socioeconomic impact will be at the Coal Oil Point Nature Center on March 18th from 7 to 9. You can get tickets at TEDxSantaBarbara.com. Andy, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got to go because you're, you're out giving a tour uh, to, to, to folks. That'll be fantastic. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just add one thing. Um, and that's that if people have binoculars or cameras, they should definitely bring them because these are two of the best places to watch birds in all of Santa Barbara County. I love that. That's a, that's a whole nother show right there. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, thank you so much. Bye-bye. You're very welcome. Mark. Bye. Thanks for listening to Behind the Scenes at TEDx Santa Barbara. To be sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the show and our newsletter. Information about our speakers, tickets, partners, and volunteering is available at TEDxSantaBarbara.com. We look forward to seeing you at our next event. Bye-bye.